Okay, uh, welcome. <laughs> here, here we are back again. Uh, Bear Scat episode number three. Yeah, Jim's back as well. Happy to be here. Excited to be talking about a Bears win again. That was uh, it was something on Sunday. I mean, thank God for the Detroit Lions. Man. They, they are something to behold. I think that. There's a lot of national narrative building up around how the Lions are actually somehow good, and I think that game should have just put all of that to rest. They I mean, have they, that narrative every single year, though. Every time they hire a new coach, it seems like the first five or six games, it's always, look at how hard the Lions are playing. They're just on the cusp. They're just on the cusp. <laughs> and, you know, that team is just a comedy of errors. I mean, Jared Goff is terrible. I mean, they, they've got a couple of talented players on offense that I think actually played well against the Bears and that's why they were able to move the ball so easily but man when it all comes down to it that team is just the same as they always are they just find a way to lose yeah uh oh so I should introduce myself too I'm Thomas and um yeah you know it's just like you said um on the cusp reminds me a whole lot of slippery slope you know uh, those two um uh you know Showing some kind of predictive model, and really the only predictive model that the Lions have is the model of losing, <laughs> because they uh, in our in in our lifetime they've had two of the greatest players that have ever played, not just Hall of Famers, but literally two of the greatest players who ever played, and they still couldn't uh, they couldn't even get to the Super Bowl with them, let alone win it. So you know that's. Uh, you know, it's barely made the playoffs. How how is it that they're just always so bad? I mean, it looks like the Browns have finally uh, broken that spell, but it did take them a whole lot of first rounders to do that. Yeah, and I don't know why it seems like anytime the Bears have one of these calamitous performances like they had in Cleveland, it always seems to be followed up by the Lions in relatively short order. <laughs> but thankfully it did. I mean, we saw some get-right stuff from Justin Fields. You definitely saw him take a bit of a next step, which we can talk about a little bit more. He made some throws that we just haven't seen from a quarterback on the Bears yeah. ever. Um, but man, the Lions, just <laughs> before we get into the Bears, I mean, the fact that they got the ball into the red zone, in, inside the 10-yard line, three times in the first right. half and came away with zero points. From yeah, there was, a, there was a stat out there about that this week. Um, something like uh, that, that that was the first time that that had happened in, I think it was a couple of decades. I, I believe it. I mean, in this modern NFL, I don't know how that's possible, that you get the ball down to the goal line three times and get zero points on all three possessions. I mean, good for them, Detroit. I mean... They're always they're always good for a laugh and, and a victory on Sunday. So so Matt Nagy should be thanking them. They probably saved his stupid job, and the Bears should be. Matt Nagy's him too. Uh, record, I guess, them is pretty good. I understand why. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a bad record against the Lions, other than maybe John Fox while he was here? Mark Tristan. But man, if you don't have a good record against that team, man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else you could say about yourself as a coach. It. it you know, so it, it it's like you said, um, and the same with the Bengals game, right? Um, two games, they looked like they were pretty much well in hand until the very end, and then the Bears have to let them back into things. And yeah, it got pretty hairy in both of those games right there at the end, which is just completely inexcusable. But so th- to me, that's a perfect progression into let's get real on the Bears D. I mean, okay, 
for one thing, um, they're already talking about Robert Quinn uh, as playback uh, as comeback player of the year, which I think is a which I think is a great idea. I, I actually think that if he keeps playing this way, he could actually be seriously in the conversation for NFL Defensive MVP. Uh, but um, and and uh, that has keyed more out of. Um, out of Mac, which we've always wanted, right? We we want the other guy to be uh, the anti-Mac, right? Um, you know, allow uh, uh, something that either if they're going to double-team Mac, um, then you got it from the coming the other side, or, you know, we got to block this guy now, so that leaves Mac one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, it's what it's what the plan always was. It's what the Bears wanted from Leonard Floyd. Right. That you have Mac eating up double-teams, and you get let the guy on the other side feast on a single block and floyd never was really able to take advantage he of that. did not feast no he he didn't do much <laughs> of anything except for every once a year it seems like he'd have a good game against the packers which was always fun but yeah quinn is definitely somebody that's earned a fair share of criticism from bears fans especially after last year because he just didn't live up to that contract at all yeah and like you said this year he's been great i mean comeback player of the year i mean what's he, he's coming back from being bad so <laughs> I, I i don't know i don't know if i would put him as the front runner because he's coming back from just being a complete waste of a roster spot last year but he's been great this year and i'm happy for him he seems to be playing well he seems to really be thriving in this defense which is good yeah so the um so we're seeing good production out of the defensive line however wow um gashed on the run uh detroit ran at will and you know that obviously that's directly related to hicks but the thing is, is that it can't just be Hicks, right? I mean, for one thing, the guy's not going to be able to play that much longer, right? But I mean, we need to be seeing, um, we need to be seeing something out of uh, Nichols and um, uh, out of Tonga, and uh, so uh, I, mean, Eddie, I saw Eddie I, Goldman played. I didn't really see much from him. Yeah, so I, I saw these numbers, you know. Um, uh, Nichols, 39 snaps, Goldman, 31 snaps, uh, Mario Edwards Jr., 27 snaps, Conga, Tonga on, only got, um, <laughs> Conga, no, um, Tonga got, uh, seven snaps, but Angelo Blackson, uh, are, are, that's a, that was a nice pickup from, from, uh, Arizona. Solid depth signing. Yeah. yeah. He played a lot and he's been showing up. The other guy that really showed up, he's not a defensive lineman, but Travis Gibson made a couple of big plays. Travis Gibson, that's looking like uh, one of uh, one of uh, the the pace uh, five to seven hot zone uh, or four <laughs> or four to six hot zone uh, um, picks uh, of his. Um, guy's a physique. He, he looks like he's a um, he looks like a defensive end. Yeah, he's flying around out there, and he's a nice rotational player. Um, you mentioned the run. That concerns me, especially going up against the Raiders. The other thing that really concerned me about the defense is their tight end, Hawkinson. He's a good player, but yeah. he was open all game long. Yeah, he really was. And, you know, um, and, and um, I'm, I'm an Haw- Iowa Hawkeye fan, so uh, I'm very familiar with TJ. And uh, I, I was actually kind of uh, excited for Detroit when they drafted him. And he really hasn't done much of anything. Um, I love to bitch about our tight ends. Um, 
uh, Cole Shaheen is is definitely one of them. <laughs> but um, but oh, that brings us to something I saw on Twitter yesterday. Apparently, there is a Bears uproar right now about Cole Komet because of people like me calling him Cole Shaheen. And uh, you know, uh, this uh, the one that I saw about it was was pretty interesting because. They were talking about how good of a blocker he's been. Uh, Jim, give me your take on, yes, that's what we got commit for, is to be a good blocker. Not in the first round, man. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was a late pick and you were using him as a blocking tight end, but you can't spend a first round pick on that player. It's actually hilarious. Second, second round pick. He was. I thought he was 37, whatever. He was the first pick that the Bears took that year. Right. And it's actually really funny you call him Cole Shaheen because I also had in my notes, Komet is giving me major Shaheen vibes. <laughs> so it's funny that we both independently got there. But, I mean, if he's there as a good blocker, A, the Bears aren't really using him that way. Right. Because Matt Nagy doesn't run the ball. And we all saw what happened in Cleveland. I think we covered that adequately last week. But so far, that pick's just been a failure. I mean, yeah. he's just not been an impact player. And if he's good running if he's good if he's a good run blocker that's that's great but you need more when you pick somebody there and so far it hasn't shown up yeah and that certainly wasn't the hype that uh he came to Chicago with uh and that's certainly not what Pace was thinking of when he drafted him um uh I I forget what number he was was he 37 Maybe. I, boy, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe it was early second round. Maybe the Bears didn't have a first round pick that well, year. Well, we'll check that yeah, out. We'll, but we'll regardless. That. It, it doesn't matter. It was a high pick. Yeah, it was a high pick, and it was the first pick of our draft, right? And um, I certainly was not wanting to see us pick a tight end there. I felt like we needed an offensive lineman there. And, um, you know, uh, instead of instead of investing... Uh, in tackles, which is something that we've been waiting to see for literally a decade. Um, you know, I mean, uh, last year was a perfect example. Instead, we, we spend big money on Jimmy Graham, and we spend a high round, uh, draft pick on Komet. Yeah, and Jimmy Graham, not getting much of a return on that investment. I haven't seen him show up at all this year. Especially, I mean, this week, too, the Bears had opportunities in the red zone where he potentially could have been a target that's why he's on this team right but you're just not getting anything from him other than retweeting things about the bears <laughs> futility which i still think was hilarious but well yeah and, yeah, and that and so that, and that's a good point too and that goes uh, and that goes to both of them right so um you know this is supposedly it was you 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 bring in Graham as the as the mentor slash he can still play guy and then you you draft Komet and he's uh, going to be your next Travis Kelsey. Well, that was the that was the interesting thing about this thread on Twitter um, was you know they were that's uh, you know the the guys that were defending this they just kept saying over and over well you know um, we weren't expecting him to be Travis Kelsey. What I thought it, that's exactly why we got him was he we, he was supposed to be a version of that. We certainly didn't. I don't know anybody that saw that pick and said. Yeah, he's going to be a great blocker. Yeah, you need him to be more than he's been. He was 40, 43rd overall pick. So 43rd. You're, so okay. you're, you're right. But still, that's a spot in the draft where you need to be getting an impact player right away, and he just really hasn't been an impact at all. It takes tight ends to develop, so I'm not ready to quit on him yet. 
but man, you, you'd like to be seeing a little bit more in year two than what's been showing up on tape for Cole Komet so far. Sure, sure. And yeah, I mean, it, it, that doesn't mean he can't develop as a player. It just, uh, it just caught my eye because there was a, there was a serious little thunderstorm going on between these fans about this. And I was just like, um, really all I've seen so far is a lot of nothing. Yeah. Um, so I was uh, I was talking about the defensive line, and the reason why I want to circle back to this is because I feel like if I was going to grade out the defensive line right now, I'd I'd have to give them an A. Um, I think that they're playing really good, except this this rush problem, uh, which I thought was incredibly evident uh, in this game. It certainly was against the Browns. Cream Hunt decided to make us our own, make make the entire team his own piece of turf, uh, you know, and. That's the thing is, is that there there is a huge gap in the what is going on up front and what is going on in the back, and the DBs, uh, the secondary being in the shape that it's in, it's actually caused this, in my opinion, this re- reverse. Normally, you have to push up front to help your DBs. Uh, in coverage, right? And instead, it seems it seems that it somehow reversed itself, and that teams know how incredibly weak our defensive backs are, so they're loosening it up up front, and that's why we're getting some penetration. But their their quarterbacks are still getting good numbers. Well, yeah, and can we figure it out in the secondary too? It's another miscommunication this last week that ends with a guy wide open in the end zone. Right. And multiple defensive backs standing there looking at each other. Yeah. Stop with the miscommunications. I understand if you're just not as talented and guys are going to get open on this secondary. There's just not enough invested in it. But can we stop with just the completely busted coverages? Because that's going to be a huge problem as we go into this tougher part of the schedule. Exactly. And but that's interconnected, right? Yes. Because I mean, I mean that's that's the thing is is that that's one of the things that uh, one of the effects that we're seeing. From what the, the talent that is playing there. You know, when I went and looked at this talent at the beginning of the season, I was just like, what are they seeing here? I did not understand it. I didn't see anything there. And, uh, it, I mean, as far as actual production by any of these guys, you know. And and the, the head of the group is Jalen Johnson, who, yes, it's agreed we all like that kid, right? We all think that he's got a bright future ahead. But at the same time, he's not Deion Sanders. You know what I mean? Uh, he's a good player, but he just got his first pick of the year two games ago. Yeah, and I really like him. I think the he's first been... ga- pick of the career. Yeah, and I think he was really good last year, but he didn't play the full year. He got hurt. And he's a second-year player that you're trusting to be your number one shutdown corner. That's a pretty big gamble. So right. far, he's been pretty good, but... If he goes down, there is nothing behind him. There's nothing. You know, and why I like Kendall, Kendall Vildor of Westeros. Um, <laughs> why I like, I do really like Kendall Vildor. Um, you know, he's being asked to absorb a huge amount. It was like, hey, um, again, drafted in the hot zone by, by Pace. And yes, uh, fifth round kid makes good. But you don't instantly turn him into a starter, you know. You don't instantly start putting up against uh, some of these, uh, some of these, you know, top receivers that we've already seen this year. You know, you don't say, um, "Yeah, Kendall Vilder, go, go cover Cooper Cup," right? I, 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 but that's exactly what we did. And so those breakdowns, 
those are not um, as Nagy almost came point out and point blank said, oh, you know, the, you know, that's just a breakdown of the wrong. That is lack of talent right there. And that's lack of preparation because those those players that are out there all have played very little. Yeah, and I like listening to Olin Kruitz analyze the Bears a lot. And he always goes in on Ryan Pace when it comes to the offensive line being under-talented because there's no money invested in that position. Right. We have invested poorly in other areas of the roster. And you can say the same thing about the secondary. We had a really good player there in Fuller that we had to cut because you've got dead cap hits tied up elsewhere on the roster. Now, one of those was Robert Quinn, who we've already talked about. Yep. He's actually earning that contract this year. Yep. But you've got plenty of dollars wasted in other spots on the roster that could be allocated to a secondary, but you just can't afford it. And so you end up with a bunch of guys that are low draft picks or street free agents that are out there trying to cover elite NFL wide receivers. And that's just a talent mismatch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in that vein, uh, of course, you you can't talk about that without bringing up Jimmy Graham. You just, you just can't. I mean, uh, you know, Fuller was on the, on the waiver wire for an hour (laughs) before Vic Fangio was like, are you guys kidding me? Oh yeah. Come, you know, come right over here. And you know what Fuller, I haven't looked at Fuller's numbers yet this year, but you know what? Maybe he's not the player that he was anymore. Maybe, you know, maybe that's the case. But I can guarantee he's better than any of the guys we got outside of Jalen Johnson, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, Duke Shelley, um, uh, Marquis Christian. uh, I mean, those guys are just like, you know, they're supposed to be playing special teams and that's it. They're not, I mean, I don't know whether either of them is as good as Buster Scrine. You know, and he's he's still out there. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd rather see Buster Screen in the nickel than any of the options that are currently on the and, roster. And that's a pretty sad state of affairs. Yes, to to because I'm right there with you, and I hated that. <laughs> I hated that pickup. But um, but yeah, uh, obviously, um, you know the 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 third the third guy or, or nickel or a dime. Uh, that's a real strain. Um, you know and. The the quarterbacks just point blank aren't scared. They're not. They have no fear of the of the secondary whatsoever. And uh, you know Jared Goff uh, for a pretty long stretch there uh, in the second half started looking really good. Yeah, and when you're making Jared Goff look good, you're <laughs> you're in a very 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 bottom tier of the NFL when it comes to defenses that are capable of allowing that guy to play well against yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know. And so, um, you know, once again, we here we are. We're looking at the roster, and it's really skinny. You know, um, uh, the offensive line, uh, interior, interior, interior. What about the tackles? Oh, we'll get to them at some point. You know, and then the defensive backs. Uh, you know, we, we we get rid of Fuller, um, it, uh, Fuller and Leno. Um, both should have been retained, you know, and I'm not even that big of a fan of Leno, but the simple fact of the matter is, is that he did show up. We talked about this, right? And both of them could have been put in positions at least, at the very least, hey, um, you know, we're bringing in somebody, uh, so you better be on top of your game and you better win the, you better win the spot, right? Because, I mean, it's not like they went to, um, it, it's not like we, we had to say to them, you know, get out. Uh, I mean, you're right though. Um, the, the dead, the dead money really, really socked it to the team this year. Yeah. And it's going to next year too. It's, 
Uh, very difficult hole to climb out of when you're talking about bad free agent signings because those just kill your salary cap. But you want to be positive for a minute? Let's talk about Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> the only player on the team that matters anyway. That's right. And That's it right. was fun watching him on Sunday, man. It, um, uh, I do want to read this quote um, from Fields. We were talking about it. Uh, he said, uh, he said, Coach Nagy, it's hard for him to be calm if he has to focus on the defense and focus on the special teams. That statement immediately made me think about Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith was the exact same way. And contrasting play calling. Right? Exactly, exactly. You know, Lovey, the thing was, is he just could not let go of the reins of the defense. You know, he couldn't let that go. Um, even when Ron Rivera had us playing true monsters of the midway football, right? It was like, you don't have to do that. You're you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be the the dude that runs everything. You're supposed to be seeing everything from the 30,000 foot level. You're not supposed to be getting ingrained into the details because that's why you have a staff, you know? Exactly. You're the CEO of the team. Exactly. And you, uh, it is a very, very difficult thing to balance being the CEO and managing the game and being able to manage your staff and also calling plays. There's a few guys that are able to walk that line, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, but those are the all-time great coaches. Yeah. I mean... Bill Parcells. I don't think Matt Nagy's given me vibes that he's going to be one of those No! Guys. You I, know, you're talking about the elite of the elite, yeah. right? So, and then uh, he goes on to say, um, he says, uh, Bill Lazor's voice is calm. He's up there in the box, seeing the field well, and he did a great job of calling plays today. Um, all I really needed to hear out of that entire par- paragraph was uh, his voice is calm, it's, right? That that's To hear that coming from your starting quarterback, that's got to be a win. It's really telling, too. I mean, Justin Fields is a rookie, and he's played two games, and for him to have already noticed that, that's a endorsement of Bill Lazor calling the plays for the rest of the season. I don't think Bill Lazor's an offensive genius by any means. Right. He doesn't strike me as the next Kyle Shanahan, but he's obviously seeing something and able to project a confidence that Matt Nagy isn't. Yeah. And you can just tell when you listen to Justin Fields say that. Well, and, you know, I think um, I, I with Nagy in particular, you can certainly see it in his body language. I mean, uh, you know, um, he's... He's pacing the the sideline hard. He always has this um, look of uh, pure constipation. No, <laughs> he but he he does. He has this uh, you know really hard gritty look when he's on the sidelines. And the thing is, is that I love this idea of serene, peaceful. You know, he, okay, Justin, this is what we're gonna run next uh, on the next play. You know, I don't know what exactly it is, but all I know is that there was multiple times in that game where I was losing my mind because of how amazing that play was. And uh, I, I've read several pieces this year about explosive plays. That's that's the new thing in the NFL. 
is explosive plays. You can't yes. just sit and dink and dunk anymore. It can't be three yards in a cloud of dust anymore. you got to be able to take some serious edge off the defense. Yeah, you've got to be able to complete passes downfield. And I know that some Bears fans don't want to acknowledge that because of the way that this team has identified themselves for so long. But that's just reality in the modern NFL. You have to be able to throw the ball 30, 40 yards downfield. I mean, you saw that ability from fields. We know that Andy Dalton, for example, doesn't have that ability. And that's why teams like that have a ceiling. That's why you aren't seeing the Tennessee Titans playing in the Super Bowl, even though they have an elite running game. It's because they're going to get beat by Pat Mahomes every year because he's got that ability to get big chunk plays. And that's how you win games in the NFL in 2021. He's like the crazy Zen master of them, you know? Yes. And maybe not so much this year. Um, you know, people, you know, defenses are, are adjusting more to him. I mean, uh, while he is somewhat Superman, he is not completely Superman. I mean, everybody does uh, run into rough spots. But at the same time, you can't take even one eye off that kid because he will burn you in a second. Yeah, and I don't want to overreact because the Lions secondary is awful, and I understand that. They probably have the worst secondary in the NFL. But you just saw some throws that were absolutely beautiful on Sunday. And Fields made some mistakes, too, because he's a rookie, and that's going to happen. But you just saw the arm talent, and it's enough to get you excited. And I just could not believe it when I heard Matt Nagy suggest that they might go back to Andy Dalton on Sunday. I mean, I, he's, he's got to be lying, right? You just cannot do that. You can't do that. And, I mean, um, we, were, we were just talking about explosive plays. Uh, in the first three games... There was nine explosive plays. In Sunday, there was ten. I mean, uh, folks, I don't think you need a rudimentary math lesson. I mean, how you can't compare those at all. I don't understand. I thought I thought Nagy um, after that beating we took. Uh, maybe had come to his senses a bit and realized that, you know what, um, maybe I had it wrong. Uh, I, I mean, I'm actually even giving him maybe I had it wrong. But instead, this week, uh, another buzz that is out there is Nagy immediately saying, all of this is not me. Um, there's, uh, I guess at one of the press conferences, he spent a good a portion of the time talking about how uh, he was the only one that saw what was going on and everything else was not really him. And uh, I, I was like, wait, wait, wait a second, uh, were we watching the same games? Yeah, I don't know how Matt Nagy, the supposed offensive guru that comes from Kansas City that saw them develop Pat Mahomes, could have watched some of those throws that Justin Fields is able to make on Sunday and think to himself, I'm still going back to Andy. How how can you think that? Is it because you think that Andy Dalton's able to run your offense better than Fields? Because I've got news for you. Fields can run an NFL offense better than Dalton. Maybe not Matt Nagy's offense, but if you give that kid the correct set of plays and you develop a game plan, game plan that fits his talents, that kid is capable of winning an NFL game. He's Agreed. better than Andy Dalton. Agreed. And so uh, this is in connection to what I was just saying. Uh, Nagy said, ultimately, it goes through me. Wanted to make sure that everybody recognizes that he's the boss. And this was in relation to the covert 
play calling by Bill Lazor. Nobody knows it's Bill Lazor. You know, what was that? I mean, who cares? All I care about is that the offense gets yards. Yeah, I mean, obviously it goes through you. You're the head coach. It doesn't need to be said that you're the one accountable for all this. Of course the buck stops with you. Do you want a cookie and a pat on the back? That's your job. That's literally what you're being paid millions of dollars for. You know what Andy Reid is famous for? It's empowering his staff. When Matt Nagy got the Bears job, do you remember the last game he was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs? It was that debacle (laughs) in Tennessee where they blew a big lead and they never ran the ball, which sounds pretty familiar now that we've got a few years of this under (laughs) belt. But remember what Andy Reid said? He came out and said, you know what? I was calling the plays in the second half of that game. I let Matt take take play-calling responsibilities off because he had job interviews coming up. And Nagy claims that was not true. Nagy claims he was calling the plays, but... Regardless, he empowered Matt Nagy. That's Andy Reid. That's why he has such a successful coaching tree around the league. Like, what did it accomplish to come out and say, oh, no, 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 it's all me. A, no shit, you're the head coach. B, just let the team enjoy the win. You don't have to make it about you. Right, and that was one of the things that really bothered me. Because, to me, if you want to talk about anything from that game, the first thing you should be talking about is number one. Yes. I, I mean... Uh, that kid played with, he played with a lot of poise. Uh, he played with a lot of intelligence. Uh, he played with a lot of, uh, athleticism and he threw some passes that Bears fans rarely see that, uh, on Sunday I, I was saying the only person I could think of that has worn a Bears uniform that throws like that is Jay Cutler. And yes, I know there's a lot of haters out there for Jay Cutler, but one thing you can't take from that guy is his arm. He could throw any ball. To make any now, throw in the ball. The problem was is that he he a lot of times he got too uh, heavy into that mindset and then he would start forcing things. That's beside the point. That's not what my point is. My point is and any always when we would be watching games with him, he would make some spectacular pass. And the and the the announcers would immediately be saying, That guy can make any any pass on the field. Any one, right? Well, I, after watching number one, I feel like that kid can make any pass on the field. And you know what else I felt Justin Fields demonstrated on Sunday was just resiliency. Like, there have been quarterbacks that have played for the Bears, including Cutler, that after that performance in Cleveland would have turtled. Yeah. You didn't see any of that. The big pout. Yeah. I mean, granted, again, way worse defense on Sunday compared to the Browns, but he didn't seem like his confidence was shaken at all. After and, and can being, anybody pout like Jay Cutler? Oh well, yeah, that was one of his <laughs> one of his great talents. He had an elite arm and elite ability to pout, and basically not much else going on. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, no, I I agree with you. Um, yes, the resiliency. Um, he bounced back from a, a, a true beating. Uh, I mean, really, in in every sense of the in every sense of the word, and uh, you know, he he came back out. The players respond to that kid. Um, you know, Bears fans out there, one of the things I've always found interesting is when you look at this, uh, when you look at the mishmash we have of, of quarterbacks over the years, um, you know, we, we try to go out and pick out the guys that, you know, we, we feel like we're our, we're our quarterback heroes. And, of course, the punky QB, Jimmy Mack, always comes up, right? Well, I think most fans realize that you know, that guy didn't really have very good numbers, especially considering the teams he played on were unbelievably good, right? But the one thing that he did have, 
he led that team when he was on the field. It was there was no question as to who was in charge. Yep. He is in charge. I feel like with Fields, we're seeing that already. Yeah, and that's one of the things that everybody talked about when they drafted him was his leadership ability and his intelligence. You can just tell that he is in command of what is happening on the field. I can think of plenty of Bears quarterbacks that you couldn't have said that about, including the most recent high draft pick from Ryan Pace. Mitch you could be thinking until tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Man, so, I mean, I don't know. Do you think Nagy's being honest when he says they're still going to go back to Dalton, or do you think this is gamesmanship, or what do you think's going on here? I actually think that he is being honest, um, and that, that really scares me. It's it, there's several things about what how he reacted to this whole thing that just really bother me. Um, the the Cleveland game, like I said, I uh, that Monday, if they would have said he you're fired, I would have said don't let the door hit in the ass. And I and I really don't usually think that, but um, and then he comes out after this, you know, and they're asking him to give give some kudos to Laser for what he did, and instead, you know, it's everything goes through me, you know. What is that, dude? What you know? It, it certainly can't be self lack of self esteem, um, because uh, you know you're in a job that just you you don't have lack of self esteem being a head coach of an NFL team. So you know what is it? Why is he acting this way? I don't I I don't get it. I think maybe he knows that this is going to end poorly for him. I mean, we went through the schedule last week and. If the Lions were not completely incompetent, they would have won on Sunday. And so there's nothing that I saw on Sunday that makes me believe that the Bears are going to march through that gauntlet of a schedule. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I still think that you're looking at probably a five, six win season at best just because of the talent on this roster. And if that happens, I don't think Matt Nagy's coming back. And I think he's smart enough to realize that. And so... Honestly, as I'm saying that, though, the only way he can save his job is if he shows true progress with Fields. Like, if he goes 6-10, and 10, but Justin Fields wins Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it looks like the two of them are really building a strong relationship, then I'd be a big proponent of keeping Matt Nagy. Right. Because if you have coach and quarterback in place, that's how elite franchises develop. But, man, just the way he's handled all this, it doesn't seem like it's going down that road. And... I just I think you could line up a hundred Bears fans right now that have you know that really dig into the team like we do, and I I bet ninety nine of them would not see that outcome. I I don't see it to be honest with you. I mean, unless he's just going to go back to Dalton and they're going to lose in Oakland and then they're going to lose against Tampa and they're going to lose against Green Bay and then your playoff hopes are kind of in the toilet so then you go to fields and you still try to show that progress over the last 10 games but why bother with it why right. not just throw him out there now Las Vegas doesn't have a good defense we saw him last night on Monday Night Football let fields just continue to develop why delay it why waste any more time with Andy Dalton yeah uh, you know the the Dalton thing um I I just I don't see any benefit in it at all. I don't care what uh, prognosticator is talking about it. There is no justification for it anymore. Um, I, I understood it at the beginning of the season to a certain extent that okay, yeah, maybe Dalton could put us in position if the team around him was good enough to maybe go to the playoffs. But um, I know I wasn't the only. A Bears fan out there that was looking at that team and going playoffs, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, really. So, you know, um, 
it, 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 it goes back to, uh, it, it goes back to what you were originally saying. Um, you know, they, for some reason, Nagy decided that he wants to play the worst player in the, in that, in, in that pair. It makes no logical sense at all. The two players are obviously completely different in athleticism and talent, and he chooses and is def- actually defensive about it, you know? Yeah, it's almost like he just had it in his head that this is what he wanted to do, and he's just not going to adjust to it, which sounds like pretty classic Matt Nagy. We see that in individual games all the time, but... It just, I can't imagine. It didn't even enter my mind on Sunday that he would come out on Monday and say, yeah, we're still going back to Dalton if he's healthy. I mean, maybe it's just gamesmanship. Maybe they're going to just say, hey, Dalton's not going to play later in the week, kind of like they did with Detroit. I mean, Dalton was listed as as questionable until Saturday, I think. So maybe that's what they're doing here again, and they're going to see how Fields looks in Vegas. But just why bother with it, man? Just give the kid the job and just... Hey, say, hey, you know what? We're done with all the nonsense. We're done with all this 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 bullshit with Andy Dalton. Just get out there. You're the starting quarterback. We got 13 games left in the season. Let's see how it goes. Because to the point that we've been talking about all along, Justin Fields is the most important person on that franchise. He like, is. Stop wasting time with Andy Dalton. He just his, his, It doesn't matter what, what happens with him. Just, uh, it, under Ryan Pace? He's the most important person. I don't, I don't, the entire coaching staff include. Bears fans have been waiting for this for decades. You know, we're not exaggerating. We all know it. And we've, we, we haven't seen hype around the draft of a player like this in a very, very long time. You know, um, one that comes to mind to me was when Brian Erlocker got drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, wow, I was I was off my rocker. I was so uh, excited about that pick. Um, another player I was super excited about um, was, uh, uh, was Matt Forte. Yeah. Um, getting drafted out of Tulane. Uh, when we took him in the second round, I was just like, oh my God, that's brilliant, you know? Coming off his 2,000-yard season, I thought it was great, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, Angelo. Um, Angelo picking, uh, Devin Hester, yeah. you know? Yes. I, um, I didn't, of course, nobody could have known that Hester would become what he did, but man, coming out of Miami, it was like, you know, yep. Uh, people aren't real sure. He might fall a little bit in the draft because nobody's real sure what they're going to use him for, but he can run like the wind, you know? But, but this is quarterback. Like this, this is, is the most quarterback. This is the most important position on an NFL team. And I just don't want to have to waste any more time watching Andy Dalton play meaningless snaps. Like, let the kid out there. He's shown that if you do even the bare minimum to protect him, unlike what happened in Cleveland, if you do the bare minimum, he can make things happen. And he's not going to be perfect. He's not a polished veteran yet. He's going to still make some rookie mistakes. But this team is not going anywhere, man. Yeah, I mean, he's going to make a lot of rookie mistakes. Yeah. But you know what? Again, let's circle back to the team. The team around him just seems energized how could you not be i mean when you see what what he's able to do i mean you saw some of the plays that throw he made to Allen robinson <laughs> was just beautiful i mean i watched it like 20 times yeah i mean when when have we seen that recently with the bears never it's just a perfect throw 
And it's not like Allen Robinson has been making big plays on the offense this No. Year. That was the first time he's really shown up in an explosive way. And, I mean, that's what you have when you have a dynamic quarterback out there. Absolutely. And you have one dynamic quarterback, and you are choosing to potentially start the non-dynamic quarterback. And that's just so infuriating. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you, you were uh, you were earlier you were talking about Olin Kurtz. And, uh, you know... Kruitz is a is an all time bear, right? And uh, I'm I'm certainly one, and I know you are uh, people that ex- respect his opinion, you know. And he's already talked about how dynamic this kid is. In fact, uh, Bears fans out there, get on Twitter and look at some of the uh, comments that uh, former Bears Bears that you love uh, have said about this kid. You know, they're all in on him, just the same as we are, and. You, you you could you could put a gold suit of armor on Andy Dalton and he still wouldn't bring that kind of hype. You know, it just it's never going to happen. So just put the kid out there so we can enjoy that excitement. You know, and I think I think you see um, players uh, that play better than uh, maybe uh, their. You know, maybe better than their talent level is simply through inspiration. Yeah, I mean, players know they they are the ones that are watching practice every day, and they can see all of the behind the scenes stuff about the things that Justin Fields can do, and they they know who gives them the best chance to win. They know who's got the most explosive playability. It just I, I wonder, do you think this would be handled this way if Pace and Nagy weren't? essentially working for their jobs this year like if they were on the first year of their deals do you think that this would be handled do you think they'd be spending time with Andy Dalton I really don't think so no I don't think so either and um well I I for one um I don't think Nagy uh looks like Nagy of of his first season um I felt like he was a very positive kind of upbeat guy I don't see that anymore, and maybe that fire under his ass is just point-blank too close to it. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that first year and how excited all of us were. We had this young, creative, exciting head coach, and he was running all the trick plays, and nobody really talked about that year, how it didn't really seem like Mitch Trubisky was showing much progress other than the one really good game he played against Tampa. Mm -hmm. That was all shielded by some of the young exciting creativity that Nagy was bringing and then also obviously just how awesome the defense was and I wonder if Nagy has just lost confidence after the last three years because after 18 it just hasn't been the same and I wonder if he's just kind of trying to just trying to accept that maybe he's just not that young genius he was anymore and here's the thing I still think he can be a good coach Mm -hmm. like I still think he's a good leader of men but it just is not there as a play caller. And for whatever reason, he's just been too stubborn to adjust. And, you know, maybe stubbornness is just going to be his downfall. And he's just never going to be able to truly give up the reins of that offense. And maybe that's why he's going to fail as a coach, which is unfortunate. Because I think he has some ability to still be a solid coach. Like Absolutely. And, you know, um, uh, you're right. You know, that, that shine that he had in 18... Uh, even at the end, when we we ended on the double doink, you know, um, I, I I felt like he still at the end of that season he was like his attitude was one of 
you know, you saw some of what we can do, and next year you're going to see even more. But now it's more like, you know, it's, uh, you know, um, everything goes through me. I mean, yeah. I mean, wow, uh, that is a big change. And, uh, you know, um, part of it is just playing in Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Um, it, it, if, if people don't realize uh, that it's a tough place to be a coach or a player in, they're uh, either naive or ignorant. Yeah, and with Nagy, I mean, like you said, after 18, it was, we're moving this to the next level. And for, for it to have fallen on its face as badly as it did, maybe that just took something out of him. But you've got a fresh start here, man. Like, you've got another quarterback. Most coaches would not have gotten this opportunity. In a lot of franchises, Nagy and Pace would have been gone after last year. Mm-hmm. You've got a second bite at the apple. Don't waste it. And it just feels like the plan so far has just not been designed in the bat has not been designed to develop Justin Fields as efficiently as possible. And it just feels like it's going to be a missed opportunity. And I hope I'm wrong, but it just feels like it's going down that road. Right. Pace, um, uh, you know, Pace is well liked by the, by the McCaskey family and by Ted Phillips. And um, so he, he doesn't have that same heat. I, I firmly believe that um, in, in their eyes, in that, part of the organization's eyes, I believe he seriously bought himself a lease on life by just making that pick, by by getting by getting fields. But Nagy, I don't think shares that. No, especially if you're right and Pace has job security. Why tie yourself to Matt Nagy? What have you seen so right. far? Like if Pace is gonna be around longer than this year, which I personally don't agree <laughs> with, but if that's the reality of it and Matt Nagy is, but but the reason that I, I question that is, if that was true, I think Pace would go down there and say, no, we're not starting Dalton, we're starting Fields, he's more important than you. That's the only reason I think that maybe Pace's job is on the line too, and the two of them are just trying to win as many games as they can, and they're doing it to the detriment of the long-term franchise, and that's yeah. just really unfortunate. All right, so... um. Uh... Quick take on uh, on this Sunday. I have concerns about the defense. I think the Lions showed that you can run the ball on this defense. I also think that they've got one of the best tight ends in the game. And if Hawkinson can tear the Bears up over the middle, I think that Waller can certainly do that. Mm-hmm. The other concern I have is, is Henry Ruggs and just how fast he is. And I just don't know who's going to cover him in this secondary. So Carr's playing well. He is, yeah. They were bad last night, but I, I think the Raiders win this one fairly easily. I just hope that we can get some flashes from Justin Fields and we don't have to deal with another Sunday of Andy Dalton. <laughs> well, I, you know... Uh... Uh, talking about Carr, um, he was he was actually one of the quarterbacks I was super hype about in the offseason. Like, there's a real maybe there's a real chance we can get him. That whole thing that happened with Russell Wilson, I thought was a total yeah. joke and a waste of time. There was no way that the Seahawks were going to get rid of a, a potential Hall of Fame player, you know. But um, but I did. I felt like Carr. We might actually have a shot at. I knew we were going to have to give up quite a bit to get him. Now I'm I'm super happy with the way things turned out. Yeah. I, I wouldn't change a thing, but I think that um, their offense uh, versus our defense, especially like you said, uh, the top of the defense, Ruggs is the perfect player to burn that. Right, Carr is playing very well right now. 
we have a, a hole in the middle of the defensive line the size of a Cadillac. Uh, I, I just I don't see us being able to hang as far as uh, as far as the points are concerned. Yeah, and Renfro scares me too because if you're throwing Johnson and a safety, probably Eddie Jackson on rugs and kind of bracketing him, that means you've got Vildor even worse one of our nickels covering Renfro of Westeros and and and, and he's going to be open all game. Did you hear what uh did you hear what Bosa said about Carr last night? Mm. He basically said that we knew that if we hit him he turtles. So if there's truth to that, then maybe the Bears defensive line can get home and they can throw Gar, uh, Carr off his game plan. The other thing is I think this is one of the few teams that the Bears could be matched up with that they're not going to be at a at a clear disadvantage on the coaching staff. Like I think when you're comparing Nagy and Gruden, I think that's two pretty incompetent head coaches. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think there's something there, but I I think the Raiders are better than the bears. I think that they're going to be at home roster wise. They're coming off a bad game. Yeah. And there's just more talent there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's the thing is, uh, you know, I think that, um, when you just look at it from top to bottom, they just have a better team. They're just built better than we are. But um, I, I do uh, I do think that um, we're going to see some more of the surprises from Fields. Um, I, the one thing going we're we're beating a dead horse, guys. We know that. But the one thing is is I'm hoping that Nagy does come out with a positive mindset, with a positive attitude, you know, and makes use the best use of the kid that he can in the game. That's really what I'm hoping for. Do you know that Nagy is something like when, when the Bears are underdogs? I think Nagy's like two and fourteen against the spread. Wow, which is almost impossible. Like when you're bet big, yeah. Like when when you're talking about against the spread, you should be around fifty fifty there. Yeah, but man. So I I don't really get a good feeling going into this. I mean, like I said, I think that if the Lions weren't horrible, they probably would have won last week at Soldier. So. I, I don't have a good feeling about this one. I hope that Fields plays well. I hope he plays at all, honestly. But I think that he'll have opportunities against the Raiders' defense. That's not a strong unit, especially in their secondary. They're banged up. Um, they do have a guy in the line, Crosby, that is going right. to probably be in the backfield all day against the Bears' offensive line. He's not as good as Miles Garrett, obviously, but he's having a great year, so that's another matchup that concerns me. But I think, like you said, I mean, the Bears are going to be out talented from a roster standpoint against almost every team they're playing from here on out and you know it's just can we get some of that fields magic or hey maybe let's see if this coaching staff can at some point actually give them some sort of schematic advantage that we've never seen in Nagy's four years here (laughs) but um I I don't think it's this week man I think think, uh I I think my uh MVP right now still has to be Cairo Santos Man, or, just, or, or as John Fox called him, Carlos Santos. <laughs> okay, uh, so um, you got anything more? Nothing more from me, man. Nothing yeah, more go, from me. Bears, um, thanks a lot again for uh, listening, and uh, we'll see you uh, after the game. Thanks.